0: Well, good morning, everyone. How are you all doing today? I'm on. How's everyone doing? Don't tell me you're off to a bad start this new year already. You guys blessed today? Well, I don't know what you're going through in your life. I don't know what's going on this start of the new year, but you're in the right place today. As we begin this new year with a brand new series. But before I tell you what that series is in, Remain standing and go to the book of Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people are saying, The time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses? Why my house lays in ruins. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what happened, what's happening to you. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them into pockets filled with holes. And this is what the Lord of Heaven army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down the timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hope for a rich harvest. But they were poor. When you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. While all of you are busy... How many are busy today? While all of you are busy building your own fine houses. What a word. Father, I thank you for this word that we've just read. There's so much value in this passage, Lord, to teach us how to really be blessed, Lord, and how to really experience your presence. Father, as we approach now the first Sunday of this year, I pray that this Sunday set the course for the rest of every day of the next year, Lord. Help us to learn, give us wisdom, give us knowledge and understanding. Father, apply this to our daily lives. And bless this word in this series in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat right where you're at. This morning, as we begin this new year, the first Sunday of every Sunday, The first Sunday of every year is always the worst because did you know that the lowest attendance in church is the Sunday after New Year? Because tomorrow we get back to work, tomorrow we get back To school, tomorrow we get back to the routine. So this is the last day you have to catch up on last minute things. This is the last day you have to rest and recover from Christmas. This is the last day you have. So because all of this is going on, we literally tell God, I have no time for you. It's sad, really, the first Sunday of every new year. And I was not looking forward to this Sunday because of that. I said, oh my goodness, Sunday, new year, the worst for every pastor. And the Lord put in my heart, it's time. Time for what, you might ask? It's time for this new series that I've been studying for about six months now. And I studied it for my own life, but now we're going to bring it to yours. You guys ready for this new series? The series is simply called, put it up there, God, what? First. Next four weeks, this month of January, since it's the first month of the year, the first Sunday of the year, the first everything of the year, it makes sense that we start this new year's with the new series, and the series should be about God first. What does it mean to put God first in your life? Many people think that God is first, but He's not. And your life would be so different if God was truly first. But sadly, God is not first. And in the Bible, God demanded to be first. God said, give me the first fruit of your harvest. God said, dedicate the first child to me. God expects you and I to put Him first in everything we do and in every way that we live. God should be first, but He's not. As I read the book of Haggai, I realized that it was a book that was all about God's children, the nation of Israel returning from bondage. You see, for years they disobeyed God. For years they worshipped idols. For years they were rebellious and did not listen. And time and time again... God would send prophets to them to get them to turn back to him, to get them to repent. But they would not listen and God would warn them, you will be punished, you will suffer, you will be destroyed if you don't turn back to me. Yet the people persisted, they kept going and finally God allowed the Babylonian empire to invade them, capture them and take them as slaves away from their homes. And for 70 years, they were in captivity. For 70 years, they heard nothing from God in bondage. And after the 70 years were done, God set them free. God delivered them. They went back home. But as they went back home, when you read the book of Haggai, it was interesting to me that the people were dissatisfied. The Bible says that they were busy. They were working a lot, and yet still struggling. They were planting a lot, yet the harvest was empty. They were expecting a lot from God, but God would give them little. And the Bible said that they did not have enough. They were discontent, unsatisfied, They have lost their joy, they have lost their peace. They weren't sure what was going on. Why is it that we're back home, we've been set free, we've been delivered, and yet we're struggling just as much as before? Why is it that we're so much discontentment? Why is it that we're struggling? Why is it that things are not the way we thought it'd be? What a picture of many people in the church today. We embrace the fact that Jesus has set us free on the cross. Amen? We embrace the fact that we have been delivered, that we have been set free from sin. We are now free in Jesus Christ. But even though you are free and delivered like the nation of Israel was, why is it that there are so many Christians that are discontent in life today? Why is it that there are so many believers that are not satisfied? Why is it that the children of God have lost joy, have lost peace, and are living through life in this routine and mundane, and you've lost the joy of your salvation? Why is it that we come to church, but the church doesn't come into us? Why is it that we live our lives as though we have been set free from Jesus, but you're struggling? There's an emptiness in us. If you look at the eyes of every Christian, most of those eyes will tell you, I'm not happy. I'm miserable. I'm discontent. I'm angry. I'm upset all the time. It's not working out. God said in verse 9, you hope for a rich harvest. You, you ask me for a lot. But you get little. And Whatever you have, whatever you brought home, I, God, I blew it away. I took it away from you. Why, God said, why? Why do you, why do you think you're so empty? Or why do you think you're so dissatisfied? Why do you think I took it away from you? Why am I allowing you to suffer like this? And God said it clear. Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord, while all of you are busy. In other words, when the nation of Israel went back home, they were there for 16 years, the Bible shows us. And for 16 years, the temple of God was destroyed by the Babylonians. For 16 years, the temple was in ruins. And the temple of God in the Bible represented His presence among the people. So while the temple remained in ruins, and for 16 years they were back home, the people were busy. We just have a lot to do. We have a lot going on. We have to work. We have to make money. We have to provide. We need to build a home. We need to build stability. We need a future. So they kept getting busy and busy and busy. And God was patient for 16 years. When are you going to build my house? When are you going to rebuild my house? When are you going to put the temple back together, but for 16 years, they were busy, too busy for God, too busy for God, and because they chose not to rebuild the temple, instead get busy and build their own things and build their own house and build their own business... They were telling God a simple truth. We're glad we're free. We're thankful you delivered us. But don't expect us to put you first. As they stayed busy, they were telling God, You are not first in our lives. That word first in the Bible means of highest priority and most important. And it is God that should be of the highest priority of your life. It is God that should be the most important in your life. But like the nation of Israel in Haggai, we, the people of God today, are choosing through our actions to tell God, I am thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful that I've been set free and delivered. But Lord, if I'm honest with you, I'm a little busy and I cannot put you first. If you look deep down into my life, God, you're going to see that you are not the most important to me. You are not the highest priority to me. And God said, that's okay. And until I am, you'll live dissatisfied. Until I'm priority, you're going to be discontent. And that very thing you're putting before me, I'm just going to blow it away. Until I'm first in your life again. You're listening this morning. Happy New Year. But the root of every issue in your life, listen to me, the root of every issue in your life, whether it's a financial issue, whether it's a child raising issue, whether it's a marital issue, whatever issue you have in your life, I guarantee the root problem of that issue is that you have not put God first in it. God is not first in our lives. The Bible says in John chapter 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Notice notice what God said here through Jesus. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. In other words, will always have contentment. will always be satisfied. The key to contentment and satisfaction is in Jesus Christ. But we today in the church have got it backwards. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Why did Jesus refer to himself as bread? You have to understand this from the culture it was written in. And in the culture, did you know that bread was actually the main course? It was not a little appetizer. See, bread took all day to make. And if you had meat on the table, it was usually because of a special event, a wedding, a ceremony, Passover. That's the only time you would really have meat on the table. But on the daily life, the daily routine, bread was the main course. So when you came home from work in those times and you asked your wife, what would you make for dinner? She said, bread. And the husband would say, Grapes. Bread was the main course. That was it. So they would put the bread in the center of the table and everyone in the family would grab from the bread in the center. When Jesus said, I am the bread of life, God is literally saying, when it comes to me, I should be the center of your life. It should be me that you're looking at. It should be me that you desire most. I am the center I am the bread of life. I should be the center of everything in your life. If you want your life to go well and be satisfied, let Jesus be the bread of your life, the center of your everything. What happened? In time. Decades later. The bread was still on the table. We say now we have meat. Oh, and then in time after that, we introduce dessert. And now when we come to dinner, in our culture, we have the main course, which isn't the bread anymore. It's now the meat. It's now dessert that we look forward to. But when you look at the bread... You might say, oh, it's still on the table, but it's not the center of the table. And this is what many of us are doing to God in our personal lives. You're telling God, hey, God, you're still in my life. I still love you. Who doesn't love bread? I still love bread. But I'm just going to put you to the side. Because this... It's more important to me. Have you put Jesus to the side for a job, a hobby, your children, relationship, money, the world? You ask any Christian, do you have Jesus? Oh, yeah, I have him. Do you love Jesus? Oh, yeah, I love Jesus. Now ask Jesus, is he priority? They would say, not really. Can I get a witness this morning? The majority of the Christians in America today, this is what the heart looks like. We have Jesus. We love Jesus, but somewhere, we've kind of just put him to the side. And this is what the people in Haggai did. They had God in their life. They were delivered. They were set free. They were grateful. But the reality is they said, Lord, we're just too busy. You're not going to be the center. You're just going to be the appetizer. And many of you are treating God like a little appetizer. It's not really what you desire most. It's not really at the center of your life. That's why you have to be careful. Because when Jesus said this, I am the bread of life, it's not just what he said, but to who he said it to that makes it even more impact. He said it to people that wanted Jesus to change their life. He said it to people that wanted Jesus to do a miracle in their life. He said it to people that were struggling He said it to people that were in need. He said it to people that were dissatisfied. And Jesus said, I'm able to change your life. I'm able to satisfy you. I'm able to meet your needs. I'm able. But the one thing you need to understand, in order to have me do that, I need to be the bread of your life. I need to be the center, most important, of highest priority. I need to be first. Lord needs to be first in your life. The reality is, He's not. It's not enough to have Jesus. It's not. Oh, it's enough to be saved, yes. He's the only way to salvation. But it's not enough to say, I have Jesus in my life. You need to make a swap and say, Lord, I'm putting you back where you belong, in the center of my life. But see, are you satisfied with just having Jesus? Or having him be the center of everything in your life? Because it's so fascinating to me that the people would listen to Jesus teach, just like we come to church and listen to a teaching about Jesus. The people wanted their lives to change just like maybe you want to change in your life. But when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, the people understood exactly what he meant by that and no one followed him. They said, you're what? The bread? The center? Nah, no thanks, we're out. And when you read this book, the people that God blessed the people that God used, the people that experienced the fullness of the presence of God were only those who put them first. Luke 9, 59. The Bible says, He said to another person, Follow me. The man agreed. You know this man, I don't know who he is. You know why you don't know who he is? I'll explain why in a minute. But Jesus goes to this man and says, Hey, you follow me. What an opportunity. The man agreed. He said, All right, I'll follow you. That sounds nice. But then he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Let me explain something. When you read this, you might think in the common English language that his father was dead. That's not how you read it in the Greek language. In the Greek language, the original language the Bible was written in, when you read this story, it tells you that he was waiting for his father to die. To then get his inheritance, to then follow Jesus. The dude wasn't dead yet. So he was literally telling Jesus, hey, I agree. I want to follow you. He even called him Lord. Did you get that? He said, Lord, I'll follow you. Verse 59, I'll follow you. But the man said, but first, Lord, First, can you wait until my father passes away because he has a little inheritance for me that I would like because I want some money to buy my home so that I can provide for my family and I can do this with my money. I want to retire a little better, a little earlier. God, I want to follow you. I love you. Lord, you're my Lord. Mm, I love you, Lord. But this man was so honest, it was crazy. Crazy. But Lord, first, is not you. Verse 60. Jesus told him, that the spiritual dead bury their own dead. Your duty, your responsibility, what I have for you, is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. The man said, "Yeah, that's a great calling on my life, but Lord first. It's not you. The man left. What's crazy about this passage? Jesus literally told him the plans God had for him. He said, your duty, your calling is to preach to the world. I wonder if this could have been the man if this would have been the man that God would use to preach around the globe and save a lot of people and experience the power of God, how different would this man's life have been had he put Jesus first? But he didn't. This man literally told Jesus, Lord, I love you. I believe in you. I know you have a calling for my life. But if we're being honest here, can you wait? Because first is not you. And he missed out. I wonder what you're missing out on. Because God is not first in your life. 1 John 5.21 clearly warns you. Dear children, that's children of God, that's born-again believers, that's hopefully you. He says, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. How many of you knew that verse was in the Bible? A lot of us don't. God said, make sure Nothing takes the place of God. By a show of hands, how many of you are truly obedient to this verse? By a show of hands, because we're in church, we can't lie. How many can say, Pastor, I need to work on that verse in my life? God bless you for your honesty. It's easy how something can take the place of God. Just like that, God is not first anymore. And maybe you're here and you say, well, Pastor, I didn't expect New Year's to start this way. But you're right, God is not first in my life. I've, I've, other things have taken the place of God. God. I still have Jesus. I still love Jesus. I still sometimes, you know, desire Him. But the truth is, God's not first. But Lord, He needs to be. Lord, You need to be first in my life. Because if God is first in your life, there's no telling the satisfaction He will bless you with. God gave instruction to the people through two men of God, Haggai and Zechariah. If you flip one page after Haggai, it's Zechariah. And God had these two messages. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3. God made it so simple. Therefore, say to the people, he told Zechariah, the same people in Haggai, This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Return to me. Let's just be, how easy is that? God said, Return to me. And I love it because he's saying this to his children, and it's not because they're back into idol worshiping and rebelling and sin. We think that's the only reason we tell a person is far from God. Sometimes you're far from God, and it's not because of a sinful lifestyle, but it's because he's not a priority anymore. Could you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit this morning telling you, return to me? Come back to me, and I will return to you. See, but God says, I'm willing to return to you, but you have to make the first move. God said, return to me. Haggai eight. Haggai tells the people, therefore, say to the people, now go up into the hills. Go up into the mountain. Cut down the trees, cut down the timber and rebuild my house. That I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. See, if God is not first in your life, it is not too late for you. If God is not first in your life, it's not hopeless for you. If God is not first in your life, you simply need to acknowledge it and do something about it. Zechariah said that God clearly told the people, you need to return to me and maybe life will go better for you. You need to return to me, and then I will bless you. You need to return to me so that your joy will return to you. You need to return to me so that your peace may return to you. You need to return to me so that I can put things back together in your life. So many people know without a doubt God is not a priority, and yet they do nothing about it. But in Haggai 1.8, God says something that stood out to me. He said, return to me. And when I read that, I went, oh, well, what a blessing, what a great verse. And I kept reading, and it said, go up to the mountain. Chop down the trees, bring it down from the mountain, carry it over, chop that down some more, rebuild the temple. And I said to myself, wait a minute, God. But that's hard. How many have ever climbed a mountain before? Yeah. If you're from Miami, you won't last a mile. Just the elevation alone will kill you. When you climb a mountain, there's a lot of resistance against you. God said, you want to return to me, that's great, but it's not just something you say or something you think about. It takes work, it takes action. Many Christians say, I want to return to God, I want God to be first in my life, but that's where it ends. It's just something you say and nothing you live. You want God in your life, you want God to be first, it takes work. You might have some resistance, The minute you want to put God in your life first, you'll be surprised how much resistance you're going to feel. Your family might resist you. Your friends might resist you. This world will definitely resist you. It's going to take work, but the Bible says go up to the mountain and cut down the trees. When you put God first in your life, it means that even though I have resistance, I know there are things in my life I need to cut to put God first again. Oh, it's going to be a heavy burden. It's going to take time. Returning to God is not something you just say and happens in an instant. It's a lifestyle you live by how you sacrifice and commit. It's not easy. It takes time. But it will bless you. How do you know when you've truly returned to God? Listen, if you're back in church, that doesn't mean anything. You say, oh, I'm coming back to the Lord, so Sunday morning, 10.30, I'm back at forward. That is not telling God, I'm home. Oh, I'm coming back to God tomorrow, I'm going to wake up and do my little devotional. That is not telling God, I've returned. How do you know God is first? How do you know God? How do you know? You've truly returned back to God. How do you know you've truly returned to him? That he's first. You guys want to know? Because listen, it's not something you say. Don't you come praying now saying, Lord, you are now first. It's not going to work. Don't email me tomorrow and say, Pastor, thank you. God's first now. I won't believe it. how do you know God is first? It's all in the Bible. Look at Haggai. Now let's look at verse 2 of chapter 1. Number 1, how do you know you've returned to God and He's first? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild. How do you know you've not returned to God? A simple answer. Time. Time. Come on, say it with me, time. You give time to what's most important in your life. Let's be sincere about that. You give time to what's most important in your life. If work is the most important, believe me, you'll find time for it. You'll even find time for overtime. If money is most important, you will find time to make it. If kids are your most and your little kids, the cutest kids in the world, listen, if those are the most important things to you, you will make time for those children. If school is the most important because a degree is the most important, you will find time, you will lose sleep, you will not eat, but you will make the time to study. If people are the most important, you make time for them. If entertainment is most important, you make time for it. Whatever is most important in your life, you always magically have time for. Is it true? If you have no time for God, don't tell me He's first. My alarm went off this morning early because I wanted to pray early. I hit the snooze button four times. I was telling that alarm clock, listen, I know I need to be up. I know I need to wake up, but I'm not ready and I have no time and I snooze. And many of you are doing that to God. You know He's not first in your life. You know you can do better, but you're hitting the snooze. And you're telling God, I don't have time. Maybe later. I think the most outrageous excuse I ever hear as a pastor, why someone struggles in their relationship with God, is when they tell me, "I just don't have time." You don't know how ridiculous you sound when you say, "I just I don't have time." You know what we all have in common? Twenty-four hours. We all have the same God. We all have the same time. But on all of us are experiencing God the same way. Why? Time. Let, let me show you how dumb you look when you tell God, I have no time. 24 hours, there's 24 apples here. Obviously, eight hours is to work. Well, past, you know, eight hours of sleep. It's a healthy number. Then I have maybe an hour after work to help the kids out with homework. I have an hour to prepare dinner. I have an hour to get the kids ready for bed. I have an hour to clean everything up after dinner. And then, you know, oh, there goes my time. Okay, wait, um, I have two hours for my health. Got to go to the gym. That's important. I have an hour of this time that I need to do with my husband and spend time with my, my spouse. And you know I need me time. Me time. It's what we do to God. You know, imagine you come up to me and say, Pastor, uh, could I have an apple? And I say, I don't have any. How bad would I look? How dumb would I look? Oh, no, Pastor, I know you have apples. I can see it. Can I have one? I don't have any. God says, could I have some time with you? I don't have any. Could you get up earlier this morning and pray with me? I don't have time. Could could you come to church this Sunday? The message I've prepared through Pastor David is for you. I don't have time could you come to Wednesday night Bible study and fellowship with your church and learn more in depth the Bible? I don't have time. This is what many Christians are doing to God. Now, how bad would it really look if you ask me for an apple and I say... Here you go. Hey, I love you. You would say, clearly, you don't. But see, some of us feel fulfilled. God, I gave you 30 minutes today. God, I gave you a Sunday this month. You think, is this enough to fix your life? Is this enough to fix your marriage? Is this enough to make sure your children grow up to love the Lord? Is this enough for God to truly bless you? So how dare we as His children say, God, I don't have time. The problem is not that you don't have time, it's that you're not making time for Him. And yet we want to sit back and wonder why, like the people of Haggai, why? Is it not working out? You know God is not first based on what you spend your time on. Second, Ezra 1, verse 2 and 7 is interesting. As I studied this more, the Bible says that when the king of Cyrus of Persia says, listen. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. And look at verse 7. King Cyrus himself brought out the articles that King Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the Lord's temple in Jerusalem and had placed it in the temple of his own gods. You see, you say, well, pastor, what's the point? Years before, God already moved in the heart of the king of Persia to get everything needed to build the temple. In other words, when the people of Israel returned home, they had everything they needed to put God first. They just chose not to. In other words, now that you have to put me first, now you're going to go to the mountain, now you're going to struggle, now you're going to cut down the trees and take a lot more time because you didn't do it right the first time. How do you know God? How do you know that He's not first? How do you know that you've truly not returned to Him? It's simple. You seek the blessings of God for yourself. What happened was, as they returned back home, they saw everything they needed to build the temple, but someone in the group said, hey, rather than build the temple, why don't we get all the wood here and build ourselves houses? And someone said, that's a great idea. And they started building houses for themselves, luxury ones. How do you know, God, How do you know He hasn't returned to you? The things God blesses you with actually keep you from Him. God had blessed them with everything they needed for the temple, yet they got everything from the temple to bless themselves. You know how many Christians live like this? It's amazing how many believers get the blessings of God And it actually turns them away from God. Do you know that the job you have is a blessing from God? How many believe that in the time that we're in right now? But yet so many people, their job is a reason they don't give time to God. The Bible says children are a blessing from the Lord. But so many believers, their kids are the reason. They're not serving God. My kids don't want to come to church. I'm busy with the kids. I got a birthday party. I got this. I got that. I got to prepare for school. And the kids are the reason you're not close to God. God has blessed you with a house, but the house is the reason. You can't come to church. Why? Because I got to clean it. I got to build it. I got to paint it. I got to do this. Even church is a blessing. And you come to this church self-seeking. What can this church do for me? What about me, God? Have you taken the blessings of God and used it for yourself and it's actually causing you to turn away from God? How do you know God is not first? It's in your time. And it's in how you use the blessings He gives you. God blesses you financially, you're going to tell me you can't even tie 10% of that and you love God? God has given you so much, but everything that he's given you is actually distracting you from him. It's like the nation of Israel, when they first left Egypt, God provided the gold for them. God, the Bible says that God moved the hearts of the people in Egypt to give them all the gold. Isn't it interesting that the very gold God gave them was the gold used to make a golden calf and an idol? And you're making an idol out of the blessings of God? And the blessings of God are actually being a curse because you're using those very blessings to keep you away from God? Everything you have in your life only comes by the grace of God, yet you're taking that for yourself. Lastly, how do you know God is not first in your life? Revelations 2, through verse 4, he says this to a church. A church. I had this complaint against you. Here it is. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Go back to that verse. I want to finish reading that. You don't love me like you did at first. Or each other. How do you know you're far and God's not first? Listen, you're not going to like me. But listen, number one, you don't love God like you did at first. How do you know God's not first? If you're able, notice what the next verse says. Verse five. Look how far you've fallen. How do you know God's not first in your life? You're able to look back and see a downward trend, not an upward. If you're able to look back and say, man, I used to pray more back then. I used to go to church more back then. I used to serve more back then. Man, back in the day, I was so excited to read my Bible. I remember going to Bible study. I remember fellowshipping. I remember being so close to the church and God. And I remember, and if you can remember, and now you look at where you're at now, and it's gone down? You can't tell me God is first. God said, I have this against you. You don't love me like you did at first. Or, look at the verse 5 again. He says... In verse 4, you don't love me how you used to. Or you don't love each other as you did at first. You know how you know God's not first? You lose love for people. People you used to love, you now can't stand. People you used to be so close to, you all want to stay apart. How do you know that you're not putting God first in your life? It's the way you treat people. But don't worry, that's in the series. You're able to look back. And if you see it go down, it's because God is not first. God says in verse 5, He says, look how far you've fallen. But praise be to God, he says, turn back to me. Return to me. And do the works you did at first. Go back to what you used to do. Go back. You know what God is saying here? Listen, I know you're far from me. I know I'm not first in your life. You and I both know I'm not priority. But it doesn't have to end that way. You can come back to me. You can get back to where you used to be. And as we close, you're probably saying, Well, Pastor, I don't know. I've gone so far from God, and God has not been first in my life, and all my time, I have no time for Him. My love for Him and my love for people has changed. And it's true, all the blessings God has given me, I have turned into an idol and I have used it for myself. It's all about me. There's one thing I want you to get today. Is you can return to the Lord. You can put him first again. And I believe that this new year, it's time for you to stop playing games with God and put Him first again. You put Him first like you used to. When God is first, it influences the way you live, the way you make decisions, the way you treat people, it affects the time that you spend. When God is first, his word comes first. When God is first, everything revolves around him. But so you have to acknowledge, Lord, you're not where you belong. I need to put you back as the bread of life, the center of my life again. Because every person God blessed in the Bible, they put God first. And I thought about Abraham. God had a great call in his life like he does yours and God wanted to bless Abraham. And God blessed him with a firstborn son. And God said, Abraham, yes Lord, give him to me. Sacrifice him. I want to see if my blessings are going to get in the way of us. I want to see and test you to see if you're going to put me first in your life. And the Bible says, Abram got up early the next day, didn't snooze, and went up to the mountain of Morah. The mountain, interesting, the mountain. I thought to myself, Lord, why didn't he just sacrifice him in the front yard? Would have been quicker. Would have been easier. But God said to my heart, But it would not have been a sacrifice. Many of you want the blessings of God without the sacrifices. And it takes a great sacrifice to put God first in your life. But it will bless you. Abram went up that mountain, crying, confused. But always putting God first. But as I really prayed about this, I thought to myself... It wasn't just God. Because the God said, Abraham, stop. We know the story. And he says, for now I know you fear me. Now I know I'm first in your life. But you know what's interesting that we really don't even preach about? It wasn't just God that day that knew he was first. You know who else knew God was first? His son Isaac. Your children need to see that God is first in your life. And every time you wake up and say, no, kids, let's not go to church today, you're telling them God's not first. Every time they see you just doing everything else but the things of God, you're not showing your kids he's first. And I believe today, parents, you need to step up and show children they're first. Even if they're grown children, out-of-the-house children, they need to see Mom and dad put God first like Isaac did. No wonder Isaac grew up to put God first because his daddy did it. You want your kids to serve God? How can your kids put God first when you don't? Don't pray, Lord, I pray that my children serve you. You got to start praying, Lord, I pray that I start serving you so that my children will serve you. Not only was it his child that saw him, his wife saw him put God first. And we need more men and more husbands to put God first in the home again. And his wife knew, when it comes to God, my husband puts him first. And many husbands and fathers today can't say that. And not only was it his wife that sighed, not only was it his child that sighed, the entire world today sees Abraham puts God first. And we need more Christians today to show the world God comes first. God is first in my life. So if he's not first, what are you waiting for? Start cutting. Put the work in. Put God first in your life. Put God first in the home. Put God first in the marriage and the children raising and the time and the finances and the decisions. And tell me God won't bless you. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, you're here this morning in the start of this brand new year with this brand new series. And you're saying, God, I confess you're not first. Confession just means agreement. You agree with God when God tells you you're not Putting me first. You don't say, God, but, or God, I'm sorry, but Lord, the thing is, you say, Lord, I agree. You're not first in my life. If I look back, I used to serve you more. I used to love you more. I used to love people more. I used to spend time with you more. Lord, I have been using my time the wrong way. I have been using your blessings the wrong way. I have gone astray from you. If you agree with God today, not only will He forgive you, it gives you the opportunity to truly return to him again. Don't let this be another Sunday. Don't let this be another sermon. Let this be the day you say, Lord, I will climb that mountain. I will cut those trees. I will put you first in my life. Maybe for the first time ever, you need to make the decision to make Jesus Christ the bread the first of your life. Or maybe for the first time in a long time you need to make Jesus first in your life again. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I love you and I appreciate you. Pastor, I know Without a doubt, after listening, evaluating, and learning, I know without a doubt, God is first in my life. Would you put your hand up? I want to see you. No one. You're not alone. Now, if you're confessing before God and you're saying, Lord, you're not first in my life, but you need to be. Now would you put your hand up for the Lord as an act of confession. God bless you all around the room. It's not too late for you. You're off to a good start. You acknowledge it. Lord, you're not first. I need to put you first in my time. I need you to be first in my decisions. Lord, I have fallen far from you. God is so merciful and so graceful, He says, you can return to me. The Lord loves you, and He's waiting for you. If you're making that stand today, to start this new year right, and putting God first, would you stand to your feet, all of you? Just stand to your feet, putting God first. By standing, maybe you're standing for your life. You're standing for your children. You're standing for your marriage. You're standing up for this world to know God will be first. Starting now. Father, I thank you for this message. Would you take a moment now to spend time with the Lord? Just say, Lord, forgive me. You have not been first. You have not been priority. And would you thank him? Because even though you have left him, he has never left you. And he still reaches out to you till today. And he says, is my arm too short to save? God will always reach you where you're at, pick you up from where you've fallen. And I don't know when or how it happened where you just fell away from God, but you have never fallen away from grace. And in the grace in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you that we can return to you again. Let this first Sunday of this year be the Sunday as a church we put you first again. Bless us, Lord. We won't want to be empty anymore. We don't want to be dissatisfied anymore. But we want to reach the fullness of your your blessings and your greatness. And I pray, Lord, that like Abram, Lord, you can change our life in such a way and bless us that the people see it. Our children see it, our spouses see it, that you are first. We love you and we thank you for this first Sunday of the year. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You got some praise today if you were blessed today. Amen. Well, that's the first Sunday of 2021. I believe it's going to be a great year. We're off to a really...